So yes, I'm actually going to be using the same scripture that is up there, so that's very fitting, and, and, and um, so we can just leave that there, actually. And before we get started, I'm going to pray so we can get going here. Um, so yeah, let's pray. Um, God bless every single one of you guys. Um, may God strengthen you, may God favor you, and may His grace be evident to you today. Um, so yeah, let's jump into prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters this Sunday. I thank you for fellowship. I thank you for all the things that you do, things we notice and things we don't notice, for the protection you give us. I thank you, Father, because in Jesus Christ we have hope. We will always have hope. Thank you for him. Thank you for your spirit who lives within us. Spirit of the living God, speak to us, reveal to us clearly. And Holy Spirit, help me. Help me get all these folks home before the Vikings game ends. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. So, thinking about, <laughs> thinking about Matthew 28, 19, 20, um, go therefore, make disciples. We know that. We read it together. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that you have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of this age or any age. He's, we know him. There's a title that um, others, especially Hebrews or Jews, use when thinking about God. They use the God of generations, of generations to generations, meaning symbolically like you've always been. You're everlasting. You're the Alpha. You're the Omega. Um, you're always going to be and continue after me. Um, so having that in mind, and knowing that it's Communion Sunday, when speaking with the Lord and hearing what Lindy's heart had and, and the situation we have right now with Hosanna, what kind of things um, could I bring to the table? What kind of thoughts or what kind of um, teaching or small talk? And, and I came up with this um, thinking about our Christianity here in America or Western Christianity and, and how sometimes without, it's not intentional in, in doing this, but it does do this to us. Um, it shapes a mindset and it molds us to thinking that um, Christian way is this way, we think this way, we dress this way, we behave this way. So then our friends look that way. And everybody we talk to either is similar in thinking or looks like us or behaves like us or goes to the same church as us or has the same faith as us. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But I'm also saying that there's more. There's more to Christianity than a get-out-of-jail card. There's more to Christianity than escaping hell. There's more than Christianity than to simply make it to heaven because you said yes to Christ. There's way more than that to Christianity. And we wanna, I want to just scratch the surface of that today. So the only way that I know how to scratch the surface is to tell you a story. But before I get to the story... Um, when it comes to us living in Christ, we all want to enjoy our life, right? We all want to have, like they say, the best life. And some have, you know, healthier or more financially blessed lives than others. But that's not the point in Christ. And I want to kind of talk about that, that there's more to this Christian life than just trying to enjoy church and tradition. There's actually an invitation to enjoy a partnership in the Great Commission with Christ and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. 
when thinking about that text, are we making disciples? Are we baptizing? Are we teaching them? So I'm going to tell you about my grandma. And uh, my grandma had this thing that she taught me how just a small way, one way, because there's many ways to evangelize. And she did that with food. And I'll, the story will be short. Her method was um, invite me for a meal. And not only me, if she caught me uptown, sometimes she'd, you got to remember, um, when I was in, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 17 years old, all right? And even then, that cell phone did not have pictures of photos or videos. It wasn't like no GPS, not, not like we have it today, right? It was just an old Nokia, and it was gray, and it looked like the, it was like that big, and it was just, you know, and the point I'm trying to make is that my mom or my grandma or anybody in my family, if I ever wanted to be a vagabond, could not reach me because I either turned their cell phone off or I didn't have it till I was 17 and I would run a lot in the streets. And my grandma worried about me and prayed about me. And once in a while when she'd catch me in a car or catch me walking up on, on Main Street or catch me in the grocery store, she'd let me have it right away. She's like, you're coming with me. I'm like, no, grandma, I'm actually with my friend so-and-so. I'm actually got to go over here. I actually got to go meet this person. I'm going to go hang out over there. I'm going to go play soccer, grandma. Nope. You're coming with me. I'm like, well, how long, Grandma? She's like, a few hours. I'm just going to feed you. She's like, but I got two friends, Grandma. She's like, bring them. So then I go back to my friends, and I'll be like, so my grandma wants to feed us, you know? And I knew what was going to happen the very first time about my friends. This happened many times, all right? My grandma fed my friends throughout years. But the first one, I knew what was going to happen. Grandma's going to tell them about Jesus. And I don't even believe in Jesus right now, Grandma, you know? I don't even care right now, Grandma. So please do not tell my friends and embarrass me. And don't you bring that Jesus talk up. That's what was in my mind. We go there. Grandma starts chopping things up, you know, starts making a soup, starts making some rice, starts just cooking, and Grandma could cook. And then in the process, she would start first gauging where we're at. How's your mom? How's your daughter? Who do you belong to? What's going on? What are you guys doing? Why aren't you at school? Some of the times when she caught us, we weren't at school, all right? It was like 11 and 12 o'clock. We were totally skipping school. And she would just bring us home to her house. And she would start telling us a story. She'd be like, now you need to read this chapter. And since I knew how to get in the Bible, and I knew the books, but I pretend with my friends, like, Grandma, I don't know where it's at. So you have them all memorized. And I'm like, oh, Grandma. Like, not right now. Not right now. These are my friends, Grandma. And, um, and also, she would be able to smell um, not so much nicotine on, in us, if you can catch my drift. She'd be able to s smell what we were abusing and what we were kind of engaging in. And she knew that. And she knew that. And then there was one time when she couldn't get my mind to settle. And I was pacing, and I was complaining, and I was just frustrated with how my day, my week, and my month was going, how my life was going. And she wanted to bring this gospel in, and she couldn't bring me in. And then she just started letting me know, hey, you know what? Go out there and do what you got to do. I'm like, where? She's like, go to my steps, go to my garage, go where you got to go, take care of your business, come back here and talk with me. So I'm like, you're, you're going to let me go in your garage and then come right back in? And you're not going to get mad? You're not going to tell mom? You're not going to... She's like, no, go, hurry up. So I went, came back in, mind different, everything different, sat down, we started talking. She started telling me about David. She started telling me about Goliath. She started bringing out God. And then, and then I asked her, why don't you care 
that I'm messing up my life like this. My mom tells me that this is a big sin and this is destroying my life. Why don't you care, Grandma? And she's like, oh, I care. She's like, but it's not going to stop me from telling you about Jesus. She said, there's no drug. There's no hex. There's no lie. There is nothing that can keep you away from what God has from you. He's like, all you have to do is believe. There is nothing that can overthrow the plan of Christ for you. She's like, so I don't fear how you smell. I don't fear how you look. It doesn't bother me, she said. All I need to do is speak to you about Jesus. So that's what I want to bring to the table is that my grandma went out of her way to prepare a meal for students who were skipping school often. You know, I, before we even skipped school, if we, if we hated the lunch, I'd, be, I'd tell my two of my best friends. I'd let them know, hey, um, should I call grandma, see what she has on, uh, for us? So I'd call my grandma, be like, hey, by chance, can you make a meal for us? And she'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Are you guys in school? And I'd be like, no, click, and I, we'd leave school. And we'd go eat with grandma, and we skip the rest of the day. But I don't want to blame grandma, you know what I mean? But she totally allowed us to have a spot there. And, um, and my friends to this day will still remember and they still bring it up when we get together, either for New Year's or Christmas. When I see them, they'll still remember, hey, man, do you remember how you used to hate when your grandma talked about Jesus? I'm like, yeah. She's like, all the tantrums you threw. I'm like, yep, I remember. <laughs> and, um, and they, but they were, they're like, not only did she have great food, she opened her heart, and she's like, and they said, and she made us struggle with the thought of life after death, of the thought of our actions, our conscience. She made us struggle about to think about the fact that we didn't have a family unit and what it would look like for us. Thank God that those two guys that were with me, one has, is walking with the Lord, the other one's still not, but attends church, but their family unit's together. Um, and they, they, she's like, I just remember your grandma was a blessing and encouragement. She's like, even though we were crazy, even though we weren't behaving, even though we were rebellious, those talks help mold and help project their future. So having said that, um, have you ever heard I'm transitioning from what she taught me. What she taught me was use what you have, prepare the table that you have in front of you at that time of your life, and use it for the glory of God by loving, being kind, and inviting someone that's either a relative or a stranger who knows your faith or does not know your faith, who agrees with your concepts, who does not agree with your traditions. It doesn't matter. When it comes to the table, for a very human basic need of us eating and re-energizing re our body, it's a basic human need. We all need to eat to survive. God provided a table for us in Christ. We all need to survive spiritually, so we need to eat from that table. So she taught me that through food, through stories, and through just being willing to talk and listen and cry and give advice, the heart of a man or a woman can change in a matter of months and a year. And before you know it, their whole life can take a whole different direction because then, it's, because then the Holy Spirit takes over if you're faithful in your commission, if you're faithful with you sharing your own story. So yeah, so that was my grandma. And it also brought me to present day. Uh, when I was studying in school, there was something um, very touching and something, a movement that was happening that was becoming pretty big in the West Coast. And now it's, it's also pretty big in the East with some different churches. And it's, it's, it's something that you guys kind of do here already, like feeding the flock. Um, it's called um, Dinner Church. And it's a movement that when we started in school, we, we did the pros and the cons. And 
some of the pros of this dinner church is a very, very simple con uh, concept. It's any individual can do it at home with their family unit, or you can do it as a team, as a church, with the community. But the purpose is, if you're doing it at home, the purpose is sometimes, we don't want to admit it, but our home life and our communication and the love, sometimes it dwindles. Sometimes we're not fanning it and keeping it alive and keeping it, you know, ablaze. So if, if you're struggling at home, if things aren't well with you and your spouse or your kids or there's just some discord there, um, how about you try dinner church? And it's simple. Once a month or once a week or however you decide biweekly, have a meal with a very specific mission. And the mission is going to be simple. Have discussions regarding about something about Jesus. Talk about his death, his resurrection, his work. Something about Jesus. Sing a song. And then talk about life. Specifically, just talk about life with your kids, with your spouse. Nothing about you, you did this, you hurt me. Or no, 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 no. Just talk about life and Jesus. That's what these folks are doing in the West Coast. They're inviting their co-workers, their relatives, their neighbors, anybody specifically that does not know. They have both models, one for the church and one for, you know, for people who do not know or who are way different of the faith and tradition and they look different, they work in different places, they don't go to the same church, you know what I mean? Because we know that church is right and this church is wrong. No, none of that anymore. None of that. There's no more prejudice, there's no more discrimination, especially at the table of Christ. He told us that. Jew, Gentile, female, male, come on now, all the same, all equal. Those are his words. So having said that, they prepare a table. People come, they're invited. They have a light meal, either something like pizza or whatever is light, enough for, and also for kids. They provide high table, um, high chairs for kids. They provide toys. They don't, it doesn't matter if the kids are screaming or running or, or walking. Round tables, and they get together, and they have a 10-minute message at the end, and people get to see each other have fellowship, and it's been working, and it's been helping bring new, what they call new blood in the church. I'm not saying that's what you have to do. I'm just saying, let's think of different ways that are creative so we can engage the Great Commission that we're forgetting about sometimes, that we become too comfortable in our Christianity. We forget sometimes. We forget that we have a long-suffering God who is patient, who has worked through your DNA, not right now, no, no, in your past, through your ancestors, through your grandpa, through great-grandma. He had been working since the beginning to get you to where you're at, to find a witness for him, to go walk on this earth, to portray Jesus to someone else and bring him to the kingdom of God. So he has not just been working in your life since you woke up or when you thought you came to Christ. He's actually been in the midst of working for a very long time and we have to be aware of that and he's going to be working in your dna when you're gone through your kids and your great-grandkids and their and their kids and their great-grandkids he's going to keep working that is the beautiful promise of this he's a spiritual god he's an everlasting god so having said that reminding you as we move into communion i'm going to remind you that god also set a table in Christ Jesus for you and me where we can come and not feel judged, not feel discriminated, not feel inferior to anybody else or less to anybody else. We can come to him and rest, refresh, find kindness, find love, find forgiveness, 
be together in unity, especially in a time that America feels it's not united. No one knows who to trust. It's not no more divided in social or ethical, I mean, ethnicity. Like before, there was a lot of racial tension. But right now, some of you guys don't even believe in your own government. Right now, it's pretty tough. Right now, it's pretty hard. The trust is not there right now for some people. Fear. But not at the table of Christ. All that goes away through the power of his Holy Spirit and the unity of the cross, of the sacrifice, of redemption, of Jesus Christ in that name, that there is no other name. He is the only name under heaven given to men, given to me, given to you for salvation. So no matter where you're at today, no matter what you've done, I'm going to ask you a question as we transition into communion. When Christ prepared that table for him and his disciples, did they understand everything about religion or God? That's one question. The second question, did they believe fully that that was the Messiah? Did, was their walk perfected? And were there saints and no sin in them? And the last question, did he not feed Judas as well? So as you come to this table, have that in mind. What kind of table have you prepared? Because you freely come to this invitation of grace. And you partake. What table have you set for your family or a sinner near you in the last month, in the last year? And if you haven't, what table will you set? Use your creativity. Pray. Talk to them. How can I engage? How can I be intentional? How can I make this invitation? How can I make this? Give me an idea. I need to spread your story, and I need to share what you've done in my life. That's all you got to tell Jesus, and he'll do it. He'll help you. He'll guide you. Brothers and sisters, have that in mind because the table was prepared in Christ. He came. He suffered. He died. He resurrected. He will come back. He's commanded you and me to teach, to make disciples, and to baptize. Let's focus on that. Let's try to focus on that here this week. Be blessed. And as we move into communion, I would ask Lindy and Mark, I believe, 